Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Coming up, great conversations with a couple authors. Greg Schaefer, a retired FBI agent on his book, Stay Safe, Security Secrets for Today's Dangerous World. And Dr. Mark Kimmons, the author of Medical Cannabis in Canada. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. Trump visiting uh, Dayton and El Paso today after those mass shootings. And joining us on the phone now, retired FBI Special Agent Greg Schaefer. Greg, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Thank you for doing this. Tell me about your book, Stay Safe, Security Secrets for Today's Dangerous World. Certainly uh, there is truth in that title, that's for sure. Yes, unfortunately, that's very true, Hal. Well, you know, I'm a 20-year veteran of the FBI I did six years on their elite hostage rescue team and got some outstanding training and started my own security company about three years ago after I retired. And in the past three years, I just got tired of seeing all these people who are killed in these mass shootings and that they could have possibly been saved had they done the right thing at the right time. So I wanted to put a book out there that leverages all those experiences and all the training I received in the FBI I put a book out there that helps the layman, the common citizen, to be more safe. Because as you well know how we are living in a more dangerous world today. Yeah, I don't think it's as dangerous here in Canada as it is in the U.S. after those mass shootings in El Paso and in Dayton. But we've certainly seen active shooter situations in Canada. What's your best advice, Greg? Well, the best advice is really to just have good situational awareness. Know what's going on around you. Know who's around you. Know who walks into the restaurant when you're sitting down having dinner with your family. Know who enters your classroom or your office building. Because what we need to do is focus on things that are the anomalies of the environment. You see how everywhere you go has a normalcy to it. We'll take a a Starbucks, for example. In a Starbucks, people sit down read a paper, have a cup of coffee, look at their laptop, they're on the phone. But if an individual walks into a Starbucks cafe and just sits there with no coffee, no cell phone, no laptop, he's just sitting there by himself, that's an anomaly for that environment. That should capture our attention. Now, I'm not saying this person's up to no good, but if all of a sudden he stood up and drew a weapon, you would be three steps in front of that, and you'd be able to get out and, you know, and go get the safety, safety quickly because you were aware of that anomaly in that environment. And when things went bad, you were the first person to see it. So good situational awareness is key to survival in today's dangerous world. How much of this is the gun laws in the U.S., do you think? Well, you can legislate guns until, you know, the break of dawn. But you're never going to legislate evil. Let's take a look how at the... Uh, the horrific event in Nice, France, just a few years ago on July 14th, their Independence Day. An individual, an evil person, killed 86 people using a rented white truck. Look at the knife attacks happening every day 
in the United Kingdom, specifically London. You can legislate guns all night long, but in the end, you're never going to legislate evil out of this world. Evil people exist. It truly is how one of the most difficult aspects of my job as a, as a risk manager and security consultant is getting good people like yourself and your listeners. It's getting good people to really understand that evil is out there. And on both ends of the political spectrum, too, apparently. <laughs> apparently so. <laughs> getting pretty, uh, you know, pretty nasty here in the United States on the political side. And here in Canada, I think we worry, or at least I do, most about big sporting events where there's thousands of people that have gathered. I feel like that's a higher risk situation than others. Am I right about that? Well, how those generally are not as soft a target as they used to be. You know, I know the, uh, uh, the NBA, uh, the Major League Baseball, NFL football, they have now mandated bag checks and magnetometers for all their events. So... A few years back, yes, I would say that would be one of your softer targets with a lot of people and, you know, an inviting target for terrorism or for mass shooters. But you're looking for more things like uh, outdoor, you know, carnivals, festivals, uh, something like, unfortunately, what happened in Gilroy, California at the Garlic Festival. Professional sporting events have done a really good job in making those targets hardened with a lot of security and with, you know, magnetometers and, and bag checks and, you can't take a backpack in there anymore to an NFL game. So they did a great job in minimizing that risk. But let me just say one more thing, How If you are ever caught up in a critical incident like a mass shooter or an active shooter event, your best course of action is always to move. It's always to run. Those that hide are oftentimes those that are the victims. You have to keep in mind two statistics. One, the hit rate when a moving target with a handgun is 4%, and a majority of active shooters do use handguns. The hit rate with a long gun, let's say an AR-15, is about 10%. So you have a 90% chance of not being shot if you just move, run, create distance from that shooter. And here's the other statistic. The average distance that an active shooter kills his victims is less than five feet. It's those that hide. It's those that trap themselves in a closet or hide under the table or under the desk or behind the cash register. Those are the ones that oftentimes are the victims of these heinous acts. So keep moving. Interesting. And one final question, Greg. Do you think this is going to get worse before it gets better? Unfortunately, I think it is. Um, you know, with social media out there and the notoriety these people get, uh, it's oftentimes that's the, the, the final trigger that pushes these people over the edge is that, that notoriety. They want to go out in a, in a blaze of glory, for lack of a better word or term. So, um, yeah, I do, I do think it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I think, um, you know, again, legislation, that's part of the solution, but this is a multifaceted problem with a multifaceted solution and just doing enhanced gun control will not fix this in and by itself. Greg, thanks a lot for doing this. I really appreciate it. You're quite welcome, Al. Stay safe out there. You as well. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Greg Schaefer, retired FBI agent and the author of a book called Stay Safe, Security Secrets for Today's Dangerous World. Joining me now, Dr. Mark Kimmins. He is the author of the new book, 
Medical Cannabis in Canada. Mark, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Hal. Thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate it. So why did you feel the need to write this book? Did you need to explain to Canadians uh, the value of cannabis uh, in medical terms? Well, really, the book arose out of uh, increasing demand for medical cannabis by Canadians and the fact that doctors like myself were increasingly uh, being asked to give live presentations. And what I found was the questions I was getting from audiences were, were the same almost every time. So I began to compile those answers and decided to put them in a book format because I realized that, that there was a greater need uh, to have those those basic questions answered for Canadians. What are some of the big questions that people ask when it comes to medical cannabis? Well, they range from trying to understand how we went from uh, prohibition back to a legal industry, and they range from questions about, you know, how does medical cannabis differ from recreational cannabis? And then finally, there's also a lot of questions about well, how about my knee pain or my headaches or my back pain? How might I use these medicines to help me? So these type of questions. I've uh, told my listeners to text or email if they have any questions for you. So I may have the odd question from a listener as we go along here, but I got this one a few minutes ago from Rob, 204-780-6868, and he sent a picture, and he says, uh, Hal, CBD strain that's curing my high blood pressure, anxiety, and my back pain. So what can cannabis be used for? To, to treat just about everything? Well, that listener question highlights uh, really something quite amazing and almost incredulous about the cannabis plant. Um, this natural plant produces hundreds of chemicals, approximately 80 to 100 of which are unique to the cannabis plant. And we're just learning about how these plant chemicals interact uh, with a, a natural transmitter system in our body called the endocannabinoid system. And this system is comprised of receptors on the cells of our bodies distributed in organ systems uh, throughout our body controlling multiple physiological processes. And it's through the interaction with this existing system in our bodies that the cannabis plant is able to exert its effect uh, on so many different ailments. And so he mentioned high blood pressure, anxiety, back pain. What are some other things that are really treated well with cannabis? Well, the answer to that question, I guess it really uh, depends on how you define, you know, treated well. If you look at the top three reasons for which Canadians use medical cannabis, they are chronic pain, number one, uh, anxiety and depression, number two, and then sleep disorders number three. So your listener's question hit two of those three. Now, high blood pressure is interesting because the data on the effect of cannabis for blood pressure is mixed. Some of the cannabis chemicals may even cause slight increase in blood pressure, while other cannabis chemicals likely cause a decrease. And for this listener, they mentioned CBD predominant strain. Uh, CBD is cannabidiol, it's one of the predominant plant chemicals in cannabis. It's non-psychotropic and non-impairing, and uh, its effects may be very different than the most commonly known chemical in cam- cannabis, which is THC or tetrahydrocannabinol, which is uh, potentially psychoactive and impairing, it, particularly in higher doses. So 
The interesting thing about cannabis is that there's not just one chemical and there's not just one effect. And so as uh, we go forward, uh, being the first major Western democracy with legalized recreational and medical cannabis, more and more money is going into research, uh, including major medical trials, which are going to start answering these questions about which cannabis chemicals and which doses are most effective for which ailments. Currently, a lot of it is uh, anecdotal. It's by patient experience. It's by reported effects, but we don't necessarily have all the answers yet. Well, and I think your answer there uh, really highlights something that I uh, believe in, in what I, when I've talked to people, that you really do have to go to a doctor or somebody who knows more about this. You can't just uh, roll a joint and smoke up and expect it necessarily to help your pain or your blood pressure or, or whatever your issue is. It, it really does pay to go to an expert, a doctor, and, and find out the details of what type of cannabis might help your particular situation. Am I right about that? That is 100% correct. Absolutely. Really, cannabis is legitimate medicine, and if used correctly under the guidance uh, of an educated healthcare provider, it's, it's really the same as any other medicine. And we wouldn't go out and just randomly take other medicines hoping that it might help us without the guidance of a healthcare practitioner. So I agree with you 100%. And and then that gets back into the discussion as to, you know, what is the difference between recreational and medical cannabis? Yeah, so talk a little bit about, well, before I ask you to talk about the differences between recreational and medical, there are still, and I'm being told this by my listeners, there are still doctors out there that hesitate to help their patients with uh, treatment using cannabis. Is, is that still true in, in your profession out there? Is that changing? It is slowly changing. But the, but the process of change is slow, and I agree. The majority of Canadian doctors do not yet feel comfortable uh, either recommending or prescribing slash authorizing medical cannabis. A lot of this has to do with the fact that, that virtually all practicing doctors, uh, healthcare providers in Canada today, uh, for the majority of their lives, this was a prohibited, stigmatized substance and uh, none of the doctors practicing today really received any significant education in medical school internship or residency regarding the, the, the pros and cons of medical cannabis. So, so really there's going to be this catch-up time uh, where newer students uh, who are finally starting to receive education on the endocannabinoid system and health benefits of the various cannabinoid chemicals, there will be this catch-up. But there's absolutely a lag right now, and so... The majority uh, of, of Canadians who want to go to see a healthcare provider who's educated in medical cannabis are, are often needing to go to one of the legitimate medical cannabis clinics where doctors specialize in this because the standard general practice or family practice office, that they're, they're not feeling comfortable with this yet. Uh, Mark, we'll talk about the difference between recreational and medical marijuana, med medical cannabis in a second, but Alan's got a question here for you at 204-780-6868. Yes, Alan, go ahead. What's your question? Yes, I wonder if I could ask the doctor if there have been any long-term studies as to the possible negative effects of uh, medical marijuana because the pharmaceutical industry is full of uh, terrible stories. Take Vioxx, for example, or, and any other of those painkillers that have turned out to be very dangerous, causing heart effects and other uh, unexpected uh, so 
side effects that were definitely deleterious. So does the doctor know of any studies that have gone beyond right. uh, five or ten years? Yeah, it's, what it's, are the long-term yeah. effects of marijuana, medical marijuana? Good question, Alan. What do you think, Mark? That's an excellent question. And, and, and you bring up a perfect example of a group of medicines called the COX-2 inhibitors, and Vioxx is one of those class of medicines. Those medications passed through traditional phase drug trials, and then they entered uh, into what's called post-marketing surveillance or phase four drug studies, and they were found to be harmful in that long-term surveillance. Now, interestingly, with cannabis medicine, what we do not have are the preliminary phase drug studies but I would argue that what we do have is 5,000 years of human experience of cannabis as a medicine. It's been used throughout the world in many cultures and has been documented as use of medicine for thousands of years. And in fact, even in North America, before prohibition in the early 1900s, we had a thriving medical cannabis industry. And so we do have extensive human experience with cannabis over long term. And as far as we know, cannabis medicines uh, are at least as safe and usually dramatically safer uh, than most of the traditional pharmaceuticals that we use, including many over-the-counter drugs. So while we do not have the traditional phased early drug trials that would be used to introduce a new medicine for cannabis, we do have that long-term human history showing safety. Um, and it's an often quoted fact, which I believe is true, that we do not have a single known cause of cannabis overdose death, which is really remarkable because almost anything you take into your bodies, including, like I mentioned, common over-the-counter medicines, typically can cause uh, illness and death in high dosages. Cannabis is remarkably safe. Um, so it's a bit of a mixed answer. Yes, I would argue we have the long-term surveillance, but they were not formally done studies. Right. Alan, good question. Thanks a lot for calling in with it. I appreciate it. 204-780-6868, but call real quick because we're almost done with Dr. Mark Kimmins. He is the author of the new book, Medical Cannabis in Canada. All right, talk for a, a minute or two here, Mark, about the difference between recreational and medicinal cannabis. Absolutely. Well, obviously, both products come from the same plant, uh, but that's where the similarities end. Recreational cannabis tends to be smoked. It tends to be whole plant cannabis, and it tends to be high in THC, which is the chemical that produces the desirable high or euphoria for the recreational consumer. So the intention of the recreational consumer is to get high, to get stoned, and to have that enjoyable experience that they're paying for. On the flip side, medical cannabis, even though it comes from the same plant, tends to be derived predominantly from the non-psychotropic or non-impaired chemicals. The intention of the medical user is relief of symptoms without impairment, so the medical patients we're seeing do not want to be stoned or high, and they do not want to smoke their medicine. They want to take it in tablet or oral form, just as you would take the majority of medicine. So, the product lines are different, the intention of the user is different, and the results are different. Mark, one more question by uh, text here, and then I, I have to let you go. We get some uh, developing news here today. Uh, the listener says, Hal, please ask the doctor about the cons of cannabis. People seem to think it's the greatest thing ever and not addictive. Tell that to my son. He can't operate without it. What about that? What about the addictive properties of cannabis? 
Most of what we know about so-called addictive properties of cannabis relate to recreational use. Now, we don't see the same addictive properties as you do with things like opiates and alcohol, where withdrawal from the substance is life-threatening. That doesn't occur with cannabis. But what we find is in regular recreational cannabis users, there's about a 9% risk of becoming dependent on it, where they find if they they're, they're not functioning as well without it, and they're taking it despite negative life consequences. Um, so that is a definite possibility with frequent recreational use of cannabis that you can develop a dependency on it. But strictly speaking, it's not a, a physiological addiction. Hey, uh, Mark, I lied. One more quick question, and then I have to let you go. Is cannabis sure. really helping people with anxiety and depression, listener asks, or is it just a temporary crutch that will eventually lead to dependency? You sort of touched on the dependency part, but their question is, is cannabis really helping with things like anxiety or depression, or is it sort of temporary and then you're back at it again? That's an excellent question. We we need some good prospective randomized placebo-controlled trials to definitively answer that question. But what we're seeing in our clinics is particularly with use of the non-psychotropic cannabis medicines such as cannabidiol, CBD, and other related medicines that we are seeing a durable anti-anxiety, anti-depressive effect. And a lot of patients are telling us they can get off their pain medicines and other prescribed uh, anti-anxiety medicines and have shown dramatic improvements in quality of life and that this is a durable effect as far as we can tell. Dr. Mark Kimmins, really good stuff. We'll have you back. Thank you very much. How, how can people get your book? It's called Medical Cannabis in Canada. Bookstores have it. Where else? Yeah, it's going to be widely available across Canada in bookstores and pharmacies starting in September. Right now, it's available for uh, pre-order on Amazon.ca. Excellent. Thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate it. We'll have you back. My pleasure, Hal. Thank you. Have a good afternoon. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.